0: Welcome to another episode of the Providence Friarcast, presented, by, presented PCB. by PCBB1917.com, your home for Providence College basketball news, notes, and opinions. Now here's the founder of PCBB1917.com and your host, Mike Hopkins.
1: up and down. And just we're up and down right now emotionally. Uh, definitely credit Stony Brook. They played well. We had a hard time guarding them on the perimeter early. You know, they stretched the floor and made threes with a heavy concentration during our preparation of trying to take their threes away. Then you when know, we took them away, they were driving the ball. It just seems like we're in mud uh, early. You know, we made it, we made a change, and I thought, first and foremost, I'm proud of our guys where we found a way to win. We're absolutely dead in the water. Um, But you know, you tell our guys it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Uh, We allowed the crowd to get in the game. Uh, We just had to see the ball go through the net a couple of times, just didn't have any energy. Uh, But I'm proud of the group. I did think we showed some grit and some toughness, especially the last eight minutes of the game. Um, I thought Tommy Planck's energy and just his experience really helped us. It goes to tell you, you know, you just never know when your number's gonna be called. Uh, We thought Nate brought a lot of uh, offensive power. Uh, to the game you know he's getting better and better it's a good team win we didn't play great we found a way to win and you know we have to continue to do a better job coaching this group you know there's a lot of holes there's a lot of uh, errors out there and you know we're work in progress but I thought we made a big jump today normally in a game like this here these are games we've lost in the past and this year we you know in particular today we found a way to
2: And you heard there from Ed Cooley following his team's 62-60 victory over Stony Brook on Sunday at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Friars needed uh, a couple of free throws from Rodney Bullock to close things out with less than one second to go. In in a game in which his team trailed by double digits, and the difference in the game seemed to be former walk-on Tom Planick, Cooley pushing all the right buttons and heading to the press, Cooley was asked if the press energized them and got them going.
1: It did. You know, we we had to do something to change the pace of the game, you you know, try to get our rhythm a little bit. We just, we had to do something, you know, and it was, you know, shot in the dark, we a couple of turnovers and uh, we got excited and, you know, energy and and enthusiasm took over. So, you know, I I thought the biggest change in the game was just our energy and uh, energy level, you know, and that was big for us.
2: I that was asked to describe how this game was similar or different than some of the other close shaves that they've had over the last couple weeks.
1: Well, this game was played totally, totally different. First and foremost, you have one of the best point guards in the country who is still nursing a sore ankle and really turned it again. So then, you know, you put a freshman point guard in there who's learning, continuing to learn. And that position's really, really hard, you know, for the way we want to play. But I thought he showed some grit and toughness late the game. Um, his, his numbers don't show that he played well, but I thought he made big plays when he didn't score. Whether it was an assist, whether it was a deflection, whether it was uh, you know just moving the ball, getting the ball at the right time to the right people. Um, and you know I, I thought Nate's four four points coming down the stretch were huge to continue. I think we kept the lead with his two baskets. We either tied it or kept the lead his last two baskets.
2: Did playing more of the up tempo press allow Mackay and the rest of the team to play a little more comfortable?
1: I thought, it, I thought it made us play a little bit more comfortable. You know, it's not our normal style, but, you know, when you're in know those situations, you got to try to do something to get the group going. You know, and, it, and it, it worked today. I don't know if it'll work tomorrow, but it worked today.
2: What was the big catalyst for some of the offensive droughts? Was it the offense of Providence or the defense of Stony Brook?
1: Well, I mean, if you look at our shot chart, you know, I, I thought we had open shots. I thought we had probably five or six shots that just were bad. But I thought we had open shots. They just didn't go down. Early in the year, Particularly the first five games, we were making all of our open shots. And for whatever reason, we didn't make them today.
2: What did Kyron's injury do to the energy and the and the offensive presence for the for the team?
1: Well, he's our floor general, you know. He's been through a lot of a lot of basketball. He's uh, he knows exactly where he can almost coach the team. Um, it's it's hard. It's, it's hard, you know. But next man up, and and hopefully Makai learned that. Um, you know, not having Malik or Alpha available uh, really hurt us, uh, especially with experience on the floor. But give the guys the credit that played the game. Uh, we found a way to win, and uh, I definitely found some toughness in our group. What
2: kind of adjustments do you have to make on the fly when a player like Aaron Cartwright goes out?
1: Well, I think you got to tell your team, hey, you know, one of our, you know, one of our brothers went down. We got to do, a, you know, we got to, we got to rally. You know, we got to rally. We got to, we got to make up for his loss his experience, his ability to score, his ability to create. Um, and I thought our guys did that. I thought our guys did that. And uh, I, I thought our crowd helped us, especially that the last eight minutes, uh, helped us rally a little bit. We needed everything today. We, we needed everything we could. And, again, I, you can't take anything away from Stony Brook. They played well. They played really, really well, especially early and we were on our heels.
2: Freshman big man Nate Watson, who led the Friars with 15 points, was asked, uh, how quickly his jitters went away, which he admitted he had some jitters in his first college start, and on the impact of Tom Planick in the victory.
1: Well, as I got the first dunk that like I wasn't nervous at all after that, and I just kept scoring the ball. My teammates looked for me because it was a small lineup, and then with Tom getting in the game, it changed the whole game. That's the reason why we won, I think.
2: Ed Cooley was then asked why go to Tom Planick in that situation.
1: You know, you know, coaches uh, trust. And I've seen it for four years with Tom, or three years plus now. Uh, in practice, he's always prepared. First of all, I think he's the smartest individual I've ever met in my life, literally. Um, he's going to have an MBA in four years at Providence College. He's already graduated from college in three years. You can play him at the point, the one, the two, the three, four, five, and he just knows what he's doing. He's somebody who epitomizes unselfishness, because it's not about him, it's about winning. And that feeling, uh, it's, 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 it's a lesson to everybody in that locker room. You never know what your is going to be called, but if it is, be prepared. And every time we put him in the game, he's been more than prepared and he's delivered.
2: Next, he was asked if this Isaiah Jackson that played in this game is the one he saw earlier in the year.
1: Yeah, I thought Isaiah, I mean, he was the unsung hero today. I thought he did a lot of things today, whether it was a deflection, uh, making a shot, made two big free throws late in the game, uh, came up with an offensive rebound. I thought Isaiah played really well. We're gonna need him, again, Isaiah's a junior, uh, athletically, I mean, uh, basketball-wise, but he's also a senior academically. So, you know, he's not a young chicken out there. We need our veterans to be veterans on the floor for us to have the year we wanna have. There's a lot of basketball left to be played, but you know, we we gotta try to find find some rhythm pretty quick, because we have a tough game against Houston coming up.
2: Then he was asked to give an update on Alpha Diallo and Malik White, who both missed their second straight game due to injuries suffered in the Brown game.
1: Alpha's coming along a little bit quicker than Malik. Malik's still banged up, very sore in the knee. Uh, You saw Alpha out there going through a little bit of walkthrough, but he's very tender. Um, You know, he's still questionable for Wednesday.
2: Then Ed Gully was asked to look ahead at the matchup against Houston at Mohegan Sun on Wednesday night against a good Houston team.
1: A very good Houston team, a high-scoring team. They have one of the best scorers in the country, the leading scorer in the American Conference. We've been doing some early film on them. Uh, they defend really well. They hold their opponents under under 40%. Uh, I hope a lot of people come out during the holiday and, and support the Friars. The Mohegan Sun should be fun. We like playing there. We like playing there, but we love playing at the dunk. And, I mean, it's a totally, totally different deal, but hopefully we get a great crowd to go down there and try to you know, steal a non-conference win.
2: How important is this upcoming stretch with finals in the rearview mirror and the players only having to focus on basketball for the next several weeks?
1: Well, this is where you see most college teams when there's no classes. You know, uh, this is where you see a big jump in timing, rhythm, rotations because it's all basketball. It's all basketball. No classes. You know, you're traveling together. It's a little bit more chemistry that can be built in the hotels, in the planes, on the buses. Um, so, you know, we got our hands full. I'm, I'm really proud of the group today. I'm really, really proud of our young men. We showed them. We showed some perseverance. It wasn't pretty, uh, but we found a way to win. And you know, hopefully, we can continue to improve as a team.
2: back for another episode of the Providence FriarCast. I'm joined again by Brendan and Chris. We're all here. Uh, still kind of exam break. Nate Watson, I think he had one more final left. But he, he did well on, enough on Sunday to uh, help the Friars down the stretch. He and McKay and Lankford to a 62-60 win over Stony Brook that really was uh, a little uncomfortably close, I think. Everyone would agree. Uh, Rodney Bullock hitting the two free throws on that very interesting whistle. Uh, with less than a second go- to go on an offensive rebound, and uh, the Friars went one and zero last week. I guess that's all you can that's all you can really take away. They're eight and three on the season now, and uh, their final two non-conference games coming up. First up will be Wednesday night at Mohegan Sun uh, against Houston, and then they finish up on Friday back at the Dunk at six thirty against Sacred Heart. Before they get a few days off and start Big East play on the twenty eighth at St. John's. So, uh, Brendan, w- what were your thoughts about Sunday just kind of surviving against Stony Brook?
3: Yeah, another um, close shape for the Friars. Uh, we've seen this quite a bit thus far. The Duggan Donuts Center between this game, Ryder, Brown, Belmont, you know, games have come down to the wire, mostly as a result of it just felt like the Friars have been sleepwalking for the first 30-plus minutes, and all of a sudden they hit the switch. and. The other day, you know, the key was you know a pressing scheme that you that we've all talked about that we would like to see from this group. It finally happened, and Tom Planick uh, saving the day. You know, who thought that uh, when Ed Cooley looked down at his bench that all of a sudden Tom Planick would be in the game and he would be such a major factor on just dist- on that press? But um, he was, and like we talked about, at the top has definitely benefited from a very generous whistle. Um, Brian O'Connell, the referee, the head referee, he was at URI the previous day, and who knows, maybe he just wanted to get home early for the holidays and decided, okay, I will try to prevent this game going from overtime, and Rodney, if you are close, there's contact, there's going to be a whistle, go pick the free throw lines, and saved this game from going to overtime. You know, the big things that stood out for me from this game, uh, Nate Watson getting his first start, looking very comfortable on the offensive end. He said after the game that there was some butterflies to be expected, in making his first ever collegiate start. But, you know, the Friars made it a point in the early going to get him the ball, to get him more comfortable. And he was, uh, he was definitely a major offensive factor on a day when you know, you once again you didn't have uh, Alpha dl or Malik White, both are still out with injuries, and then Kyron Cartwright went down early in the second half, uh, re-injuring his ankle. And you know, points needed to come from somewhere, and you know, a freshman uh, stepped up big time.
0: Uh, yeah, I would say surviving is probably the mantra of Sunday. I mean, you know, you look at this game and in March, and it's it's a win. So a win is a win. Obviously, it's not the way that Cooley or anyone wanted to get it done. Uh, but they survived and honestly, they're lucky they survived. They kind of got bailed out towards the end with, uh, you know, maybe a questionable call, but a call nonetheless, and Rodney hit the free throws and, and got the job done. But, uh, you know, obviously not a great performance. Plus you have the Kyron injury, uh, in the second half where, you know, he came down on the defender's foot, um, which was, you know, not ideal. He was back out on the bench towards the end of the game on crutches. Um, which I think is kind of an interesting move. Maybe not the smartest move to bring him back out. But, um, yeah, so there's a lot of negatives. But, again, the real main outcome is a win, and that's what you're looking for in non-conference play is a win. Um, and you can just move on to Houston. But, obviously, another injury now. Essentially, you're down three guards, assuming Kyron won't be playing on, on Wednesday. It's pretty unfortunate timing.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's obviously been dealing with this for coming on a month now. Uh, right. Since the BC game, and he every it seems like every game he tweaks it a little bit, um, mm-hmm. but now he had the MRI on Monday, which came back negative, so that was good news. But uh, on crutches, like you said, I'm just not sure. I mean, I I think obviously this game against Houston is important in the sense that it's it's a not it's a, a neutral site game against a team that has the potential to be a top 50 team in the RPI, although they'd have to do a little work. Um, in Ameri- you know, the American Athletic Conference, obviously, is not phenomenal, and they were picked to finish sixth there. So that's not really great. But they really could use this game on a neutral floor. It would help out with their resume. But I also think you have to look at the potential for Big East play being more important because that's where Providence is probably going to have to make their money now with three losses, maybe possibly four if they lose against Houston. So you have to kind of look at, I think, Big East play in the bigger picture and, and that's how I would look at it. But again, Ed Cooley, he, he obviously was hoping to maybe do that with Cartwright uh, after with the Brown game, not starting him and, and holding him out. until. But then he put him in with 10 minutes to go. And then also with Alpha Diallo, you have to kind of think the same kind of thing. Do you want to really push him back and may, or maybe you just because, I mean, they – so we I think we said this last week they they shouldn't need these guys to beat Stony Brook and they kind of almost I mean it really besides that uh, that potential for a a very loose foul call at the end of the game who knows what would happen if that game gone went gone to overtime but um, they shouldn't need either of these guys to beat Sacred Heart on Friday and so do you just kind of say well let's hope that the young guys can figure it out against Houston and we give Diallo and Cartwright and obviously White, who I think is still a week or two away anyway, but if you give those guys an extra basically seven days of rest from starting with Wednesday, and they don't play St. John's until the 28th, so I mean that, that might be beneficial in the long run because once Big East play starts, it's a grind, and they, they do have those little bit of breaks during Big East play, but I don't think Providence has theirs. And, I mean, they have, uh, I think, five games in the first 15 days or something. It's
0: It's a pretty
2: brutal schedule.
0: Yeah, I think it's a no brainer. I, I, I get, you know, this Houston game on, on Wednesday is a it's a big game, you know, RPI wise. And, you know, it's a tough team. It's a good opponent, a neutral core, and it'd be great, solid non conference win. But like you said, you got to look towards Biggie's play. And it would be great to maybe get Alpha back against Houston. And, and, you know, but it's just not worth it to a point where you could get these guys potentially seven days rest because hopefully you won't need them against Sacred Heart, like you said. And maybe a bite a tougher game against Houston, which is fine. Then they're coming off a full week's rest going into St. John's where then they play St. John's that Thursday. Then they play Creighton Sunday, Marquette Wednesday, Xavier Saturday. Like that, that's a tough, so, you know, you don't have a full, at least five day break until you're playing Butler on January 15th. So you're going to need guys healthy going into St. John's because like you said, it's going to be a grind. Then and i know it's tempting to try and bring these guys back and push them back for a tough game against houston but in the long run and looking at it as a whole season it's not worth it at all in my opinion i don't i don't think that's a question
2: yeah plus you got the not only the all the games in that short stretch but there's a lot of travel cuz the first two games being on the road so right i mean that that adds up too these guys have to get on a plane maybe or on a bus i mean that's not great for a swollen ankle or or a knee no. so i mean that all has to factor in to, uh, to the decision-making. And I think we won't know until literally probably game time on Wednesday night uh, the status of certainly Diallo and Cartwright. But, I mean, I guess it, I think we'll have an idea of maybe how desperate Ed Cooley is but based on, on who's actually playing tomorrow. And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe he really is uh, feeling after that performance on Sunday where they needed Tom Planick to come to the rescue what down 11 or whatever it was to come all the way back. Maybe he feels like they really do need Diallo back in the lineup and maybe they just push cart right in and just say, you know, give us what you can, even though it's kind yeah. of, at the end of the day, a meaningless non-conference game. I know I talked earlier about it. it's a little, it would be nice to have on the resume, but I think it's a nice to have, not a, not a have to have.
0: I, I, I agree. It's kind of like a, it, it'll be telling to see Cooley's decision on this because, you know, it is just a non-conference game, but it'll kind of show not. I don't want to say the faith that he has in this group, but it's going to show how much he really feels a guy like Diallo or Cartwright really, really means to this team. And if he thinks, you know, maybe they're just going to get smacked by Houston if those guys don't play. So probably will be a game time decision. I'm hearing over the last couple of days that Alpha is kind of ahead of schedule and maybe he could play tomorrow night, but it'll be telling with what Cooley ultimately decides because, uh, you know, it sounds like you and I are on the same page in terms of letting these guys rest, but. Who knows? Maybe Cooley's not, and maybe Cooley wants a non-conference win against Houston, and maybe he's going to try and push them through, so we'll see.
2: Yeah, because the other factor, too, is on, uh, just to play devil's advocate a little bit. I mean, you, you, maybe you push them in the, in the game against Houston, and then you you could give them still kind of six, seven days off because you could maybe give them yeah. off for Sacred Heart. I mean, it doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense necessarily in my head, but devil's advocate, I guess you could see where that might be an angle to take where you you kind of feel like you, you should you don't want to lose to Houston, and you think you can probably beat Sacred Heart without these guys, right? Right. And so maybe you just maybe that's maybe that's something he's. he's I mean, thinking, yeah, but... that's
0: that's definitely an option because I mean, I feel like we I feel like a broken record. We've been saying, well, you shouldn't need these guys to beat Brown. You shouldn't need these guys to beat Stony Brook, and ideally, you shouldn't need them to beat Sacred Heart. But I I guess we'll find out. But that could, you know, that's not a bad move. I guess it'd be kind of a you know an unconventional way of doing it. But if you were to play them against Houston a little bit and then sit them out against Sacred Heart, you're right. They'd still get five, six days rest. So that could, that could work too.
2: I mean, it makes absolutely no sense,
0: but I, I guess. A... <laughs> yeah, it, re- it really doesn't, but Hey, it's an option at this point. You kind of got to lay out all the options.
2: True. And you know, they, they are, uh, they are they are interesting to watch right now. Um, long, interesting long is a really stretches. really polite.
0: It's a really polite way to put it. You're being yeah. very kind. Yeah. Well, I
2: mean, just the, the long stretches of, of score scoring droughts. I think they had like maybe 16 minutes of the of the 40 against Stony Brook, where they were on scoring droughts. I mean, yeah, um, they got they got
0: 15 minutes left without. If Kyron goes down, they have 15 minutes left on Sunday. So naturally, they just jump on a 10 minute scoring drought. It's it was like just torturous to watch. It was brutal.
2: Yeah, and 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 honestly they they got helped out a lot by Stony Brook at the end too. I thought they they oh, totally they made some interesting I mean even so, some of the some of the coaching decisions with that timeout it's when his team was kind of cruising it didn't make a lot of sense but no, uh, they got
0: we, we Providence got bailed out big time on multiple occasions.
2: Yeah, it was not it was not pretty but again, it's a win and uh they're yep. up to 8 now in the season and I think the goal has always been to get to 10. For uh, conference, uh, non-conference play, so that's still a possibility if they can pull still out the next two. They can go ten and three, and then you win ten games. Hopefully, in the Big East, that's been the recipe, certainly so far. And and I think twenty wins this year with ten coming in the Big East. With the way the league has looked so far, I think ten wins in the league will be an impressive feat. And I think That'd that be certainly gets Yeah. Yeah. So, but again, I mean, Cooley's best record in this current big East is 11 wins and that was a different team than this one. So, right.
0: Right. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I I'm, I'm very curious just to see what Cooley does tomorrow night and and see if he pushes it or not. Um, but 10 would be ideal. So it starts tomorrow at Mohegan sun, but, uh, you know, I'm thinking maybe closer to, 8 would be like a great win total in Big East play but again we can we can focus on predictions for the Big East after these next two games and see where injuries are are currently at
2: Specifically to talk about Houston uh Providence and Houston have only met one previous time that was back in 1965 with Houston winning 102 to 89 in Providence The Cougars are 9 and 2 on the season uh their most recent game was a 20 point victory over Prairie View A&M so those are that's impressive. They did lose the time before that to LSU. Some of their earlier wins in the season that may have looked better at the time, like a Wake Forest, for instance, have uh, lost a little bit of luster. But uh, they've they put up put up pretty consistently a lot of points, and their defense has been pretty solid, as you heard Ed Cooley in the beginning of the show. Players to watch out for are uh, senior Rob Gray, who is averaging 20.4 points a game. He's their leading scorer, returning leading scorer from last year, continuing to lead them Also, uh, a key player for Kelvin Sampson's Cougars is senior Devin Davis, who is their leading rebounder at 7.4 rebounds per game. If that name sounds familiar, it's because that is the same Devin Davis that was on the Indiana basketball team with Emmett Holt when they were both freshmen. And there was that uh, unfortunate incident with a car. Davis bounced around uh, some junior college, and he's now... Uh, In his second season at Houston, Sampson has reloaded his roster this season, essentially, uh, bringing in six immediately eligible transfers with five junior college players and one graduate transfer. So they are a totally, totally different team than they were a season ago and very much more experienced. Uh, They are, I believe, in the top 30 in terms of overall experience on Ken Palm. Interestingly, Houston loves to push the pace. They don't press a lot, though. They do like to push the pace on offense, get the ball out of the basket and run. They, they've been playing games around 75 possessions per game, which is on the higher side overall. But really the big storyline for Providence in this game is going to be the availability of Kyron Cartwright, Alpha Diallo, and Malik White. I think it's pretty clear White's not going to play. Probably a week or two away, uh, looking like at the best. Diallo could play, as as Chris and I were, uh, were talking about before. Diallo may play. He seems like he's he's coming along. He was participating in the team's walkthrough on Sunday at Stony Brook, although uh, Ed Cooley uh, termed him as Ginger while doing it. Uh, but he could be ready. Cartwright is kind of a wild card. Uh, he's been nursing the same ankle, but uh, the MRI obviously being negative is a good sign, but I, I don't know that he's going to necessarily be ready just c- a few days after that. Uh, who knows what kind of swelling he had uh, in, the, in the interim. Houston will uh, put Providence at the line. They have uh, a pretty pretty poor free throw rate, uh, defensive free throw rate. Of course, the key for Providence is they have to actually convert some of those free throws if they want to win this game. The other thing that's been a bit of a sore point for the Friars that Houston does well is they uh, they crash the offensive glass pretty well. And crashing the gra- the glass may not be the best description. They are largely a jump shooting team. They don't really have a true low post big man. So a lot of these rebounds are coming on the long rebound off of a uh, off of a jump shot, so that's something to keep uh, keep your eye on. The guards are gonna have to be heavily involved in the rebounding to avoid giving Houston second and third chances. They're pretty efficient as o- as an offensive team, so giving them extra chances not in Providence's best interest. We fought through some technical difficulties in this episode, but we bring you another episode for the fifth straight week of the Providence Friar Cast. Keep an eye out maybe on Thursday. You might get some uh, special. Brendan, Chris, and I are all going to be at Mohegan Sun Wednesday night. So there's some talk that we may do a post-game podcast that could be out Thursday. So make sure you're subscribed to the Providence Friarcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to check out the Patreon page at patreon.com slash pcbb1917. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to our Slack community. For $5 a month, you get access to a special recruiting channel, which... We've been giving some Jimmy Nichols and uh, Chris Monroe updates in addition to the the local players, uh, local commits, David Duke and A.J. Reeves. So that's been good. And now I want to give a special shout-out to some of the higher-level patrons, and that's JLD, John Lee Dumas, Mike Evans, my parents, Adam Nagel, Bob Allison, Ron Torvik, Brendan Ryan, Dan Marcus, Joe DeAngelis, Dennis Corbett, Mike Saburn, Ray Penta, Mm -hmm. Dennis Burns, Alex Simeone, Chris Thurlow, G, Mm -hmm. Terry Meyer, and Alan Russ. Special shout-out to those fine gentlemen. We also may have some episodes coming up with a few guests here and there. Uh, Don't want to shout out any names yet, but uh, we have a couple lined up for next week. So make sure you, again, are subscribed so you get all the latest episodes. The the, the episodes also are always posted on the website, pcbb1917.com. And I hope to see some of you at Mohegan Sun on Wednesday night. If not, talk to you next week.
0: Don't forget to subscribe to the Providence Friarcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Mike, follow Mike. us on Twitter and Instagram. at PCBB 1917. Like the Facebook page. And and as always, stay classy, Friar Town.